I am so excited to tell you that I'm finally reopening the doors to my Partnerships Masterclass course, which is absolutely everything you need to confidently build successful partnerships. And successful partnerships unlock an entirely untapped revenue stream for your business through sponsorships, while collaborative partnerships can see you reaching hundreds of thousands of potential customers without monetary spend. So they have the power to both make you money via a whole new revenue stream for your business and save you money with your marketing activity, which is so awesome. I have run this course quite exclusively in the past with really small cohorts of business owners, agency owners, and marketers. So I would say it's incredibly valuable if you're one of these three types of fabulous people looking to build a partnership skill set and revenue stream, or you're looking to offer partnerships as a service to your clients. This course is the most accessible way you can work with me personally as well. And while you have a lifetime access to the course content and obviously lifetime access to the skills and relationships you build as part of this course, you're also really not thrown in the deep end at all because I keep the cohort small on purpose so that you get that mentorship and support from me throughout the whole thing. So we're going to get you so excited about the opportunities ahead for your business, super clear on your growth strategy and how you're going to build meaningful and pivotal relationships. It's going to be so good. And doors open on the 11th of August. They're only open for 10 days though. So make sure you're on the wait list so that you don't miss out. We're actually kicking the cohort off on um, August 22nd. So immediately after the doors open, pretty much <laughs> the course begins and the doors are closed again. So you want to be on that wait list so that you don't miss out. I'll put the link in the show notes so you can access that. And you'll also nab some wait list bonuses as well if you're on there. So I can't wait to see you there. Uh, thanks so much for listening and I'll let you get into the episode now. Hello and welcome to Stop, Collaborate and Listen. We are a podcast about marketing, collaboration and business and we're brought to you by Collabasaurus.com, the matchmaker for brands. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Stop, Collaborate and Listen. I'm your host Jess Rufus and I cannot believe I'm saying this but we've been officially running this podcast for a year. Um, And I started this channel actually spending $3 a week renting a microphone. So I'm absolutely blown away by everyone's support. Thank you so much. We've built such an incredible community around this channel and we've actually hit just over 40,000 listens at the end of 2018. So that was really exciting. Um, So to kick off today, I thought we would cover the topic of funding. Uh, So growing a business is no easy feat. And I can imagine anyone listening to this podcast wouldn't turn down 10 grand if it were handed to them for you know growth capital and there are a ton of ways to fund growth for your business and it's super important to invest in growth so I thought I'd cover in this episode seven options for funding your business growth and each is super different and will suit different businesses and I want to absolutely say up front you know I'm probably not qualified to be giving financial advice or anything like that so definitely see a professional but these are a great um, sort of start point in terms of just an idea, perhaps there's some funding options that you hadn't previously considered. So I'm hoping in one of the next future episodes, I'm going to cover the topic of identifying growth investment options in your business. So like how you can identify where you would spend that money and how you would spend that money. But today let's get straight into seven different options for funding growth in your business. (laughs) 
All right, option one is sales. And this should always be your first priority, of course. Um, but it can get a little bit tiring, I suppose, because sales is, you know, what you're doing all day, every day. But in terms of, you know, really inspiring a boost of sales and an influx of cash, look at your margins and look at your revenue streams and see if you can bootstrap a burst of actual sales. And you could do this through like a new product offering or like a limited edition release of something. So to give you an idea, this doesn't even have to be a product. For Collabosaurus, um, which if you guys don't know, it's a software platform for clever marketing collabs between brands. We needed to fund our new website release about, this was just over a year ago. Um, So what I did is I didn't want to make sales to our old about to be replaced technology. So I launched an event series on Publicity 101. And this basically meant that I worked a little bit extra. I did a couple of extra weekends and developed some new content. But I offered something with urgency around it because the event date, you know, was only going to happen a couple of times um, and a limited time frame for, for which the workshop series is running. We actually had three workshops sold out and on the third wo- workshop, I filmed it and sold it as an online course as well. So all up, we made about $6,500 worth of profit from this and generated a bunch of great content and social sharing and buzz as well. So As long as it's related to your business, having a look at ways you can do a new product offering or something that's limited edition that has urgency around it might be a really great way to inspire a new burst of sales. The other way that you can do this is to start quoting more and start playing bigger. So particularly if you're in a service-based business, um, start chasing some bigger contracts or looking for ways that you can expand out existing clients' contracts. Um, You know, how else can you add value and potentially increase your price? Of course, ensure that you're absolutely adding value so that's justified. Um, But see whether there's a way you can increase your earning power in this way. And a great piece of advice I was given when I first started sort of quoting consulting and stuff like that is to quote what just makes you uncomfortable. So stop playing it safe. You're often worth more than you think. And it's really just about communicating and of course, delivering on that value effectively. So that's option one, sales. And that is 100% your best option. Option two is fund growth with the old credit card or bank overdraft. So if you haven't left your full-time job yet, this is a perfect time to ensure that you have a just-in-case decent limit on your overdraft or credit card. I say this because once you start out on your own, making very little, if any, profit at the beginning and barely paying yourself, it understandably gets super hard to get these through the banks. Um, And if you haven't already, extend this now. I never did this and it's meant that we have never been able to access a credit line for Collabosaurus ever, even if it's simply to manage cash flow, which has been difficult. So Funding growth through credit cards, um, uh, actually how businesses like Shopo have succeeded without ever handing over equity shares to investors. It's definitely risky, um, but there are, there are benefits to this form of funding depending on the type of business and the situation that you're in. And something to consider also in addition to this is financing based on owed invoices. So if you have a bunch of clients who, are, who owe money over the next few months, or let's say you have retainer agreements in place for your business, you can draw down on this cash early to fund growth with services like Skipper, for example, which is S-K-I-P-P-R. 
Okay, and option number three is friends and family. So this one's an interesting one for me because I grew up with this one line that was preached to me, which was neither a borrower nor a lender be. So this has made me completely useless at asking for money from friends and family. That was something that you would do if you were on your deathbed, like it was always the last option for me. So this option absolutely isn't for everyone and completely depends on your friends and family. My biggest suggestion here is to get legit contracts in place if you go down this path, even though they're friends and family and you think nothing will ever go wrong, no matter how much you think things won't turn sour, money has a weird effect on people and you just want to make sure that everyone's ass is covered. And with this option, you actually have more flexibility usually regarding payback, but make sure that you know, you've worked in a benefit to the person that you're borrowing from. Make sure that you know, potentially they're making more interest than they would if they had that money sitting in a bank or I don't know, find, find a way to make it worth their while as well. But work into a contract ways you would handle emergencies as well. Option number four is the investment option, which again, isn't for everybody. And there are so many different ways you could go about investment. Um, I'm certainly no expert, but I do know there's so many different options within investment alone as an option. And we could do a whole episode just on this. So there's things like VC money, angel money, private equity money, family office money, and then there's the program route, program route, which is like incubators, pre-accelerators and accelerator programs. Essentially, all this is about is exchanging equity or selling equity in your company for cash. And this option most likely requires an exit event to be in the pipeline. So that means selling the company or listing on the stock market so that investors have an opportunity to make their money back. And mind that um, motorcycle just going outside my window just then. They need to be able to make their money back and see that they'll earn a return on that um, investment. In contrast, incubators and accelerators are programs that have more of a formal application process and typically take a small equity stake in your business in exchange for the facilitation of the program and introductions to a network. So for all investment options, it's such a big topic. I'd suggest looking for people and organizations with specific interest in exactly what you're doing or related in some way because they're more likely to be able to help you and understand what you're going through and be connected in the industry that you're playing in. Option number five are grants and tax incentives. So there are actually a bunch of these available and often they're just really badly marketed. A lot of people just don't know they're out there. Um, And there's lots of different ones available based on the state that you live in. And speaking of Australia, there's, and New South Wales particularly, I know there's things like the MVP grant, the EMDG grant, the Accelerating Commercialization grant, which is like up to $100,000, the R&D tax incentive, that, and all of these can offer seriously helpful growth funding um, for startups, whether you're just starting out or whether you've been going for a little while. I actually read that Canva took advantage of the Accelerating Commercialization Grant. Um, And I do know also that the R&D tax incentive is how a lot of my tech startup friends have been able to avoid raising capital from investors too early because 
all of this, you know, this option doesn't involve giving equity away in your company. So that's pretty good to definitely have a look into the government grants and tax incentives. Option number six is sweat equity. So this isn't a way to attract cash, but it's almost, it's like work in kind. So if you did get yourself growth funding, where exactly would you spend it? If you find yourself in all of your planning, figuring out that your money would be going towards people and a particular skill set, you know, for example, let's say you needed $200,000 because you needed a bunch of technical development done, you could actually find yourself the right person for the job and essentially offer equity in your company in exchange for blood, sweat and tears, and hopefully no tears. (laughs) Um, This could be a part paid or equity only arrangement. And if you can find the right person who believes in your company, this option is definitely one to consider. I think a a lot of businesses don't. There's also things like ESOP plans, which are employee share option plans um, or employee share deals where you can vest equity over time based on the delivery on certain KPIs in the business. So that works so that you don't necessarily have to go here, here's 10% of my company and you can do all this work. Instead, you kind of go, okay, we'll slowly release these um, percentage shares, I suppose, over time as you meet targets, which can really help with, you know, ensuring that they're the right fit and stuff as well. So that's option six, sweat equity. Option seven is crowdfunding. And there's actually a couple of different ways you can go about crowdfunding as well. So it can really work for all sorts of businesses. This is where you can attract donations or early purchase orders and investment as well from everyday people. So potential customers and your existing community are absolutely where Um, crowdfunding is at. Um, If you can build buzz around a crowdfunding campaign, because half the battle is actually in marketing, um, and you've got a product that is super appealing to your target market, this is actually a really good option. I would definitely check out how Tess Guinery, who released Apricot Memoirs, I'm pretty sure that was on Kickstarter, and My Goals, uh, who did a new um, planner diary uh, in a Kickstarter campaign. Just have a look at how they did it, and they succeeded so well. I'm pretty sure both were around the $50,000 mark in pre-orders. So they were able to raise growth funding essentially through selling the product they're looking to sell anyway, which is awesome. So make sure that you've allocated a budget for building buzz around a crowdfunding campaign because half the battle is getting people to check it out and commit money. So definitely treat it as a sales process. So that's kind of the typical crowdfunding structure, I suppose, that people are used to hearing about. There's also stuff like equity crowdfunding options, which is finally legally available in Australia now too. And this basically works more or less the same. However, rather than in donations, they're more like a direct investment from everyday people. So everyday people can invest small amounts and receive equity in all sorts of companies in exchange. So Zinja, um, which is a neobank, is currently going through this process with Equitize. Um, if you're interested in checking that out, that's a good case study. So that brings us to the end of this episode, guys. I hope that was helpful and it sparked a couple of ideas as to how you could potentially find some growth capital and funds in your business. I'll quickly run through those again. Number one was sales. Two was credit card and bank overdraft. Three was friends and family. Four was an investment option. 
five was grants and tax incentives, six was sweat equity, and seven was crowdfunding, which could be things like a rewards-based Kickstarter or equity-based with things like Equitize. I hope that was helpful. Thank you so much for tuning in as always. We hope to see you back next week. And if you haven't yet, make sure that you hit the big purple subscribe button so that you get a little push notification every time we release a new episode. Thanks so much, guys. 